It's my podcast. Change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, truth too. Here's my podcast. L, L. Hey, what's going on? My name is Andre Anderson. I am both the host and the founder of uh, BSTL. Um, I hope you're doing well. Uh, Today is August the 15th. Uh, 2022, all year long. And I'm so glad that you're back with us. We have another great conversation that we're going to have. Again, I hope you've been enjoying um, our series of conversations on leadership. And today, uh, I'm going to do something that may uh, cost me a few friends. (laughs) Uh, But that's okay. Truth is is always a good thing. Um, And when I say friends, I'm I'm really saying it tongue-in-cheek. Uh, This is not necessarily directed towards anyone in particular, but it is definitely a conversation uh, that I would like to have with us today. And I'm hoping that you're going to like send an email. You you don't always have to agree. Uh, You can disagree. I'm fine either way. Um, But either way, uh, we are going to have this conversation today. So here's what I want to talk about today. Uh, The topic of this uh, episode is that was then and this is Now, and before you jump uh, too far into it, uh, you may know what I want to talk about and you may not know what I want to talk about. Uh, But today I'm I'm having a conversation that is more uh, for leaders. And when I say leaders, I'm talking about those uh, that are in upper management, that are responsible for moving people around, hiring and firing, that kind of thing. This is a conversation that I hope will jolt um, us uh, into thinking a little bit more about what this looks like. So, Here's what the uh, scenario is, right? Um, I want you to just think about this for a moment, right? You have somebody that has been working uh, for your organization for like 25, 30 years, 20, maybe even 15 years, but they've been there for a minute. Um, Initially, when they join on to your company, they are high um, achievers. As a matter of fact, there are things in your organization uh, that are still in play, after all these years, because they were extremely innovative, right? The ideas that they had, the things that they were trying to do, uh, nobody else was doing it. And in those moments, they were stellar, they were optimal, they were everything. As a matter of fact, uh, you used to use them as the standard uh, for what you would hope that all employees um, would become, okay? And so that's one side of it. Uh, The other side of it is now it's been many years, right? Um, They have done all that they can. Um, They're still doing fairly well, maybe not as well as they used to. Um, But you can see that they are no longer driving the vehicle. Um, They are now in cruise control. And cruise control can be a challenge, right? Because when you put it into cruise, um, there are times where you may need to accelerate. And then there may be times where you may need to Uh, slow down a bit. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that this individual, because of their past experiences, they have almost become untouchable. And when I say untouchable, here's what I mean. Um, Because of their contribution uh, to the organization, you say to yourself, no matter what they do, um, you can't really speak to them, you can't really reprimand them because they are untouchable. 
Now, like I said, this is going to be a conversation um, that I'm going to have. And I'm not speaking to any particular organization. I'm just speaking in general as leaders. What do you do, right? Um, And of course, I hope that I'm not going to sound um, hypocritical because in our last conversation, we were talking about don't kill them and the importance of leaders being able to understand the context to which uh, those that uh, work for their organizations, we need to get to know them better, right? We need to to understand what they're going through, some of what their life experiences are. All of that is important. So this conversation does not negate that, but I think this is a little bit more of a crucial conversation because we're not talking about employees now. We're talking about management. So we're talking about management within management. So what do we do now that we have someone who was excelling um, and doing very well, um, helping the organization move forward. Um, But now because they've been able to do a bunch of things, they're now sitting there with their legs crossed. And uh, for some, they are now beginning to look at retirement, right? So when they look at how many years they've been working at a thing, they say to themselves, well, I only have five more years to go. My question to us, to you, uh, to those who lead is this, what do you do when they are no longer producing uh, what they used to produce? Do we let them stay or do we help them out? And when I say out, I mean out of the organization or even out of that position. Does that like create um, something that can be harmful to the organization or Does that send a clear message um, to those that are looking at this individual that is no longer productive, that while we appreciate all that you have done before, uh, you are no longer meeting the need of the organization, and so now we've got to have a different kind of conversation. So that's what we're talking about today, and let me just start off by saying this. I don't believe in once saved, always saved, right? So I I, 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 kind of come to the conclusion of, all right, so whoever this person is, let's just assume that we know what's going on, right? So there are no health challenges. There aren't any major personal challenges. Um, they're doing okay, um, but bec- uh, they've, they've become um, unmotivated because they feel as though they've done all that they can, but... Um, because they have some financial obligations, they've got some things that they want to do in their own personal life, um, they may not be able to afford to quit, or they may not want to start over by going to another organization. What do you do? And here's what I want to say to start off this conversation. I think that the same level of accountability that we would have for our employees, we have to have the same level of accountability for those that are in leadership and management. Let me let me explain why. Um, there is something to be said when leadership holds employees accountable, the ones that are generally on the front line, holds them accountable very quickly and they are slow to pull the trigger on those that are in leadership. Let me just say it one more time. I don't think that it's necessarily fair that um, as leaders, we often hold those that are on the front line more accountable to those that are in the corner office. I think that there has to be the same level of accountability that is in both spaces. Now, I know that there's got to be someone there saying, well, Andre, I hear you, um, but the responsibility and the onus that comes with the corner office is not the same as the person who's front line who may have less responsibility, um, but they have more on the daily grind. 
Uh, you may not agree with me, but I'll say that I'll say this. It's a both cause and effect type of thing, right? So what happens in the corner office definitely impacts what happens in the cubicle. And what happens in the cubicle also impacts what happens in the corner office. So it's not that it's an either or, and you'll hear me say this often, it's a both and. Both individuals are both required to operate and function at a high level to ensure that neither are impacted due to a kind of melee or a slow you know, movement of, of how the work is executed. So now we're talking primarily about leaders now, right? So if as a leader, I'm going to have a month end and I'm going to have a conversation and I'm looking at your monthly review, your quarterly review and your year end review, and all of that is tied uh, to whether or not you're going to get that three or four or 5% bonus or increase, then hold on a second. Why then do I have to work hard to ensure that I keep up with the standards of what the organization is trying to do? And really all you're doing in the corner office is just cruising. Now, when that happens, remember, uh, we're never in a room in isolation, right? Like I wish that we could w work in rooms at times uh, where nobody could see what's happening, but everything is, is out front and center. So what happens now is to the individual that says, well, I have been so good to the organization that I don't have to work anymore. Uh, what about the employee that has worked just as hard and they are at the top of their game, but now there's a shift in the organization and the organization may or may not be asking for more, but they're asking them to shift and make some changes. I actually believe that the corner office has far more impact than what the employee may or may not be doing. Let me just say this again. I think that leadership is everything. I think that leadership is everything. Show me an organization that is not doing well. You're not going to be able to convince me that it's the employees who have checked out from their work. Uh, generally, what you will find is that when the organization begins to kind of tip uh, in the wrong direction uh, down, it usually has something to do with what's not happening in that corner office and by extension, the management and the supervisors that reinforce some of the values that come out of that office based on the mission, the vision, and the core values. So here's the thing. I don't necessarily believe that your past production should determine whether or not you get to cruise. I think that as long as you're in that organization, and especially if you've been entrusted uh, to have a uh, substantial role uh, in, in leading any type of organization in whatever capacity it may be in a leadership function, you constantly have to redefine who you are and develop your skill sets. And in those moments when you become a little bit disenfranchised, you have to find a way to pull and push and restructure and educate and develop yourself, uh, even if it means that the organization has to pay for you to do so. You can't afford to get to a place where you are on cruise control. Now, here's the struggle, right? Because we know at that level of leadership, you know, we are constantly out for lunch. We're constantly out uh, having golf tournaments. We are playing basketball. Uh, we are out at dinner at night. We are out in various spaces. And so it's a very small group of individuals that ultimately make a lot of the decisions that move the organization forward. And here's what I'm really also saying then. If that is true, 
and they're a small unit of individuals that are responsible for moving the organization forward and pushing it forward and bringing a lot of the ideas that will be implemented at some point, then those that work with them that identify that they are no longer functioning, uh, I think it also takes a village in that sense. It takes a village of leaders to now say to themselves, I noticed that, you know, Andre's not necessarily pulling his weight. Um, and because Andre's not pulling his weight, I've got to find out what I can do as his colleague to ensure that, number one, he doesn't fail. But number two, I also want to make sure that we're not failing. Here's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. When we get to a place where we leave individuals, whether we honor them, whatever the title that we give to them, and sometimes we, we're creative in the titles that we give to individuals to give them a sense of belonging and honor and, and legacy, and, and maybe I'll pause long enough to just say this. I don't believe that you should ever erase people uh, from the good that they have brought to your organization, and I think it's important to give people flowers while they are alive. But I I also don't think that it's fair to the organization that any one person can sit there for 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it looks like, um, doing just the bare minimum when they are in a position that is highly influential. I don't think that they should have the right to sit there and not do anything just because they may have checked out for a lot of different reasons. Um, here's why. Because in those moments, you are also creating a culture from those that are observing, whether um, laterally or vertically, everyone is watching to see, right? After a while, everybody knows that that CFO is no longer doing what they're supposed to do, CEO, etc. Everybody knows that manager, that supervisor, that team lead, um, that acting supervisor, whatever it may be, everybody knows that they are no longer operating in that kind of capacity, which is to be productive and move the organization forward. Now, here's the thing then. We, we are inadvertently creating an environment where people will, will hustle to get to the position, um, but they also will now know that after they have gotten to that seat, they don't have to do anything because they have become untouchable. And because they're untouchable, they know that unless they do something dumb, uh, something that's not well thought out, or something that costs the, co the, the company thousands of, of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars, nobody's coming for them because the goal is no longer about being productive all the way through your career. It's about getting to a position where you no longer have to answer to anyone. And maybe this is why, um, and I don't know if it's the same um, for everyone, I think this is why at times um, leadership does become a little bit lonely. Um, and I think leadership does become a little bit lonely because after a while, when you, re um, you recognize the magnitude of what it is that you are responsible for, like, I mean, it's not just that, you know, two, three, four, 500 people are accountable to you, but you are also accountable to three, four, 500 people. The, uh, the, the accountability, it's bilateral. And so what happens is now is that when your team can no longer count on you uh, to do the things that come along with your job description, you've now given them an out from being productive in what it is that they do on the day-to-day. -day. And maybe what I'm also talking about here um, in this uh, episode is the interconnections of the work that we do, right? So 
when we think that our job is just to be in that office, uh, we've got to sign some things, we've got to pass some things, we've got to go to some uh, strategic meetings where we have conversations about the way forward, and then after that, we, we really don't have a whole lot to do. Uh, the challenge that we forget is that, is that just like the body has a lot of different um, connections uh, and everything is connected, you know, the blood has to find a way to get through to everything. The oxygen has to find a way uh, to get through everything. I mean, even when we eat food, um, it, it, it has to digest or we ingest it first, then we digest it, then it's broken down, then it goes where it needs to and the rest is expelled. So like there is no um, substantial organization um, where any one particular position is just unto itself, right? So here's the thing. Uh, somebody who has become untouchable, they may be responsible for what's happening in a different space and a different room with somebody who's no longer productive because as a result of them not doing their work, they've now created some impact on somebody else that is dependent on them in order to get the work done. And when they don't get that work done and that person continues to be disappointed as they make promises that they don't follow through on, Here's what happens. There's a trickle down. There's a ripple effect. There's a volcano. There's a tornado. And, and what you've identified as a frontline not doing their work, really the problem is not them. It's that the infrastructure that comes from that corner office, uh, that individual may not be doing their work. They may have checked out themselves or whatever. And here's the thing. I just think that sometimes we have to help those individuals to see the importance of doing their work despite their own personal desire to preserve themselves. And I think that this is one of the things uh, that often hampers a lot of organizations, right? I think that after a while, people do just enough, if they are not motivated, that is, they do just enough to stay under the radar, but under the radar creates mediocrity. And if there is a thing I think that kills any company quickly, it's when mediocre becomes the standard for how things are done. And of course, we love to demonize those that are pushing. We like to make them bullies and we like to whatever not. But we also love to, to live off of the fruit of their labor, right? So some of these individuals that are high functioning, that are doing uh, different things at a different level, which create uh, different levels and different results, we may not necessarily always love the way that they do things, but they do get things done. I think that the best type of culture that we can create long term is the type of culture where we, we, we actually want people to continue to do well. And I think this is perhaps where training and development comes in. Um, and training and development, not necessarily for the position that you occupy, but training and development, which also would allow for you to do well in a different capacity, right? So in the previous episode, if you want to go back to it and listen to it, um, I'm talking a little bit about this there where um, in my own experience, I had an employee that wasn't necessarily performing well on my team. Well, when that individual goes to a different team, they begin to smash the ball out the park. But here's the thing. There's an exchange there. I took one employee and worked with that person and that person began to hit, hit the home run and vice versa. Because again, people may not always thrive on your team. And if they don't, it doesn't mean that you're not a good leader, right? So here's the other side of things, right? When I talk about training and development, here's what I really mean. I actually think that sometimes 
we assume that because somebody has done well and they are in that corner office, that that should be the only office that they're in. And here's the thing, because they may not necessarily have training and development in other areas, they cannot take the chance of moving to somewhere else because while they may be, you know, a five-star whatever where they're currently sitting without adequate training, they could go from being a five to a one. And I wonder why some people don't move. And, and maybe this would be radically different um, because I know that, you know, we normally look at pay grades and we say that, you know, this is worth $100,000. This is worth half a million dollars. This is worth $30 per hour. But here's what I'm beginning to wonder, right? Um, because I, I think that the way that we develop leadership, it's not balanced enough. I think that the the natural way for businesses to be is this. We train people to do one thing, and once they know that one thing, we kind of leave them there until they retire. I wonder what it would look like if maybe we didn't do it that way. What if we allowed people to keep their salaries as it is, um, if they didn't want to move up and beyond where they are, put them somewhere else and have them do a different type of responsibility and still pay them a salary that is comparable to what they are currently making. And I know, I know, I know it sounds radically different, but you know, I'm not necessarily one that likes to stick with the way that we normally do what we do. And I'm just wondering what would happen if people had the luxury of moving around and keeping their salary? Because here's the thing. Um, most people are not going to go back to what they left before, right? So I can't see a CEO going back to frontline again. Like it, it, it almost never happens that way. But I wonder if there was a quote unquote step down and to the left or to the right. And we allowed that person to not necessarily be chairing in that room, um, but doing things in a different room. And uh, they developed really well and we paid them the same kind of things. I wonder if that wouldn't create an environment where more people would feel comfortable to move around, even if they didn't necessarily have the same job description. Because here's the thing. When somebody who is leading leaves that corner office but still remains in the company, you still have that wealth of knowledge and information and experience that will be applied in a new position even though they may not be occupying the seat that ultimately makes the decision, right? So here's what I'm really saying. I think we have to take a look at what leadership and organizational structure looks like. I think that we've got to uh, begin to or start again or revisit uh, this idea that we, we, we protect and we shield individuals um, that have made major contributions to our company, knowing that they may be harming the present context and present culture of the organization because they have no they are no longer functioning and operating the way that they used to, which is why we gave them that space. Look, this is just a short conversation about organizational changes. And I think that sometimes we are afraid of making some of these adjustments because we're afraid that the change may not go well. But you know what I've learned? I've actually learned that change, whether it happens well initially, 
uh, if it is changed for the reason of wanting to move the mission and the vision of the corporation, the organization forward, long-term it will stabilize and long-term it will settle out. Um, because ultimately you don't want to begin trying to make changes when you're on a downward spiral. You want to make changes right now because here's the thing. Frontline workers are being impacted by those things that happen by those that occupy the office in the corner. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both your founder and host of BSTL. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please um, continue to subscribe, share this with your friends. And if you want me to come out and speak with your organization, I'm happy to do so. BSTLinc21 at gmail.com. Nice to have you and we'll see you again next time. Take care. Okay, everybody, this is the recap, and I only have four points, four takeaways uh, from our conversation today. Number one, whether you are leading from the front line or cover office managerial positions, each leader is responsible and accountable for maintaining effective leadership commitments. Avoid compromising the culture and or your productivity of your organization. Number two, know your village. It is important to recognize the magnitude of your responsibility when working with others. Try to avoid creating unnecessary ripple effects in the infrastructure of your organization. Seek help before you spiral out of control. Number three, as you grow and mature in your years as a leader, try to avoid the cruise control mentality of compliancy. Continue to develop your skill sets while making room for yourself and others to train and develop in a different capacity. And finally, number four, acknowledge and appreciate the years of productivity and commitment in your leaders while they are alive. Give them their flowers before it is too late. This is Andre Anderson, your host and founder of BSTL. Take care until next time.